Well, hello and welcome. Thanks for joining me. This is Ross Jones, your business coach, with my weekly podcast show, Bold Business Bites, coming to you from Yorkshire. This is where I have a great conversation with a phenomenal female business boss, and we share some of the bold stuff they do, lessons they've learned, adversities they've overcome, and the fun they have. And then I'll be dipping into my toolkit and sharing with you a top tip. Business can be lonely, so make sure you join us each week and be part of our show. Welcome to episode 11 of my Bold Business Bites podcast show. This week I'm joined by Karen Riddle, the owner of Rustic Riddle and the Granary at Rustic Riddle. The Granary is a cafe by day and fine dining restaurant by night. The food is fabulous, as is the venue. And this business owner is one of my favourite. I first met her towards the end of 2016 and fell in love with the business vision that she shared with me. Overcoming many challenges along the way, this vision has finally become real. I'm so proud of Karen. This woman has such a powerful belief in her dreams that she will never give in. Listen to her story. Thanks for coming on to this podcast show. I asked you because I want you to be able to share a bit of your story. Okay. Because we've known each other a few years now. And I remember the very first time you came, well, we spoke, you told me about this vision, this dream you had for this wonderful business called Rustic Riddle. And it's evolved ever since. So can you just tell us a bit about your vision, but also what you've actually put it, how has it evolved? The vision was originally to have somewhere where people could come and just feel relaxed so that the, the troubles of life and daily toils could just melt away. So that when people came in through the gate, they felt like they could leave the troubles at the gate and come in and relax and be just who they want to be. So then it, it kind of developed into um, a little bit of a buzzword is the to uh, release the inner child. So then we started looking at all the different things we could do on site and around, which helped, because I think that's the bit that we all want to tap into that helps us feel that there's purpose and everything's a bit more joyous and we're all too trapped in the humdrum of the seriousness of life mm. tell us though Karen about so when you say about this place so you've got it's a, a a manor house farm yes with tell us about the land we're just on five acres we've got the house in the middle of it which is not a farmhouse and then from the front of the house we've got outbuildings coming down either side and a, and a front a front garden on one side we've got the cottages and the granary and at the other side is just an outbuilding. And then we've got paddocks, small animals, stables, and a natural pond. And some great ideas for developing this land. And some great ideas, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lots more things to come. <laughs> and tell us what you've got. So what's in place now that people can come to? In place now, well, other than the holiday cottages, which are obviously marketed slightly separately, we've got the granary building, which is inside it. We've got um, food from a fine dining chef during the day, uh, so breakfasts and lunches. Then we've got a restaurant on an evening, which we're calling the Parisi Restaurant. And it's aimed at using all fresh local produce that's in season to tantalise the taste buds and delight the eye. Mm -hmm. Um, Then also within the the best same building, we are setting up from this Saturday, we're opening a bakery. And then there's an upstairs area, which we is still to come, which is going to be a lounge with a bar and a fire. That's within that building. And then we're also looking at the moment setting up arts and crafts. But everything else is still very much in its infancy. Mm. 
Fantastic. And what's it been like so far? So when did you actually open the granary? The granary opened on the 12th of April this year. Oh, wow. So so new still. Still very new. What's been the feedback that you've received? Brilliant. Most Mm. people come in and are blown away by how it looks on the inside because Mm. we're trying to develop it so that each area has a totally different look and feel to it. So you come in and there's the main building, the main but it is the main building because actually the restaurants are an additional bit one part of it is full height vaulted ceiling the other one's got a second story so you've got this big area with a huge chandelier in the middle and then you go through to the next area which is what was added on many years ago and that's got all chandeliers and sparkly bits and that's where the kitchen is as well which is an open kitchen so people can see the chef working what was the question <laughs> It was about the reviews you've had, and so reviews. basically people love it, and so you're describing the interior. But did you design it all yourself? Yes. Wow. Where do you yes. get your ideas from? Years and years of being me. It's, it's, <laughs> it's wonderful. It really it's is. from different ideas, different magazines, reading, looking. The architect worked with me to help design it in the first place, but he didn't actually do any of the things I particularly wanted to introduce. If we saw the original plans based on what it's like now, it's a totally different building. You wouldn't recognise it. Wow. And how long has it taken from the seed of the idea to actually opening that up last month? Probably about five years. Five years. Yeah. Wow. And in that time, what's kept you going? Belief. What's kept us going is belief. Belief that the original idea had, had great potential. And also when you step on this treadmill and you, you've, you've got this idea and you start doing things and you start putting your life and soul and every penny you've got into it, you have two choices. You either keep going and see it through to the end or you jump ship and lose everything that you've got done at that stage because there's been many, many times when I've just wanted to bail. And the reason it's taken so long is predominantly money. Right. It's like finding the money that we need, builders that tell you it's going to cost X to get it done only to find out that actually that's nowhere near after you spent the money um yes. <laughs> and then the grants that are available the window opens and closes uh, so you think you've missed it you spend the money then the window for the grant opens again but you've got to then find 60 percent of the funding before you can actually then apply for the grant so yeah that was kind of like one year is is getting the building sealed because that's all we managed with the first quote the next year is finding the money to apply for the grant, the next year is waiting for the grant to to give us any answers. And then before that, it was just all, I think we got on with the cottages to start off with as well. What would you say has been your biggest obstacle, if you like, apart from money? Or is that it, just money? No, not really. It's just lots of, it, probably my biggest obstacle is not really having anybody to discuss my ideas with. My husband works overseas and I suppose because I'm coming up with the ideas, then it's difficult to talk it through with somebody else that isn't you. Yeah. Because they want to talk about something totally different and you're wanting to clarify the ideas you have on that. And so you have to just trust yourself. And that's, that's quite hard. Yeah. Especially when you're looking at big chunks of money and you've got people around you that are relying on you to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, my husband, for one, you know, he relies on me to actually make this happen so that he can actually come back into the UK and work together. Since being here, my father-in-law moved with us, 
but my mother-in-law and stepfather-in-law have just moved to the area as well a couple of years ago now, all based on this is the fact that this is going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter was moved to the area because she's disabled. So there's all these people around us that are all looking at me to actually turn this into a viable business that actually pays the bills and allows us to stay here. So what would you say are the qualities then around you that have made that, have enabled that to happen apart from just, well, the things that I know about you are like um, determination, resilience. What else do we need? I think... That strong vision. The strong vision, belief Mm -hmm. in the vision. I frequently doubt myself. I frequently go into periods where I think, who do I think I am? Why do I think I can do this? But I think my biggest strength is being able to look outside me for help. When I'm really struggling with something, I know I need to speak to somebody else, so I go looking for somebody else to help me. So, you know, with yourself, we met because I knew I needed somebody to coach me through the different peers. And also, even though I think thought I knew what a business looked like, I couldn't remember the parts of it, and I needed to know where I needed to put my efforts and what I needed to do and somebody to talk to and and give their views on your ideas. Yeah, I do remember that um, those initial conversations actually, Karen. When um, we're talking about the well, the riddles. What happens? What's happened to the riddles? There's so the many riddles. parts of it. So there's <laughs> going to be riddles around, aren't there? I remember the riddles. That. I was told by my husband and a few people that I had to stop coming up with ideas yes. and focus on just one. Yes. And it was awful because I had to then shut out all these other things that I wanted to do and got me excited and focus on the one thing that was the most painful and that's finishing the building, dealing with all the serious, the the money, the the builders, the, the, the people that come and make life hard for you and and I couldn't do the exciting things. So that's where the the good bits are not here yet. Yeah, but they're still there. Just open the painful bit. Yeah, that's it. But they're still there. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yes, absolutely, it does. <laughs> well, I guess you know the um, the granary. Oh yes, yeah, so we do need to talk about. It. So where you so it's a, a manor farm estate, if you like. That's good. Yeah. It's in the middle of nowhere. Is that is that fair enough? Fair to say? Yeah, it probably is. Okay, yeah. so so who's coming here? What before I started? Okay, I, I probably should have done more actual research, which was written down and researched and whatever else. I researched things in with my, my head, you know. So you did a plan. I, I did a plan. We, we did I did plan. do lots of plans, yeah. but knowing what I know now, mm. I probably should have done actual written ones from the beginning not just to get the grant. Oh, I guess. <laughs> um, but what I did do is I kind of, I know the area in any case, I know that people will travel for the right thing. Yeah. So we've got a, a culture around here where you've got lots of people with money that are looking for somewhere to go during the day just to have a bite, meet with friends, yeah. and they will travel. Yeah. You know, I've traveled quite a distance to go to a nice coffee shop because somebody told me yeah. it was nice mm-hmm. during the day. Yeah. On an evening, if I want to go out for a meal, it's quite normal for us to travel 30 to 40 minutes yeah. because the quality of the food in this area is not great. And even though people say, well, your market that you're aiming for is the lower financial income yeah. sector, 
they seem to miss out the fact that in this area you've got a huge mix and you've got some very wealthy people that live around here and they choose to live in a rural setting but they also still like nice things so the customers that we're getting at the moment they are coming from the caravan sites um and there's hundreds around there's hundreds around here that's right but caravans aren't cheap yeah so they're not People are coming from an area of deprivation and they're often people that have chosen to have one home somewhere and another holiday home. So they're coming with money. And even the ones that don't have money because they live in static caravans, they've got money in capital because they've sold something to get Mm -hmm. there. And they just want nice things. And they've got time and money to burn. We've got to be a little bit careful on how we price things especially as we're trying to get people in to get to know us in the first place. Nice. What I hear a lot is someone who sets up and they go, oh, yes, it's lovely, lovely building. The food's lovely, but it's too expensive. It's a bit pricey. Mm. Like you don't get much value for money. Mm. And that's a regular comment that's made. So we're trying to be just above but not quite as high as yeah. the others. But you've got a fantastic chef here, haven't you? Yeah, we've got a fine dining chef who has his own following. Yeah. and that was a difficult decision to make as well, considering I've got no income coming in to suddenly commit to a, an annual salary for yeah. somebody at that level. Time will tell whether it's worth it or not, but because he's got his own following, we've got something to market. Yeah. Um, the food he does gives us something to market. If I'd just got a cook or an average chef, I would be doing the same as everybody else around here. So what is the point yeah. of somebody coming out traveling half an hour to come to us if 10 minutes down the road they could get the same thing so we are aiming to be different yeah and challenge people a bit just to so that people know um it's in old rome which is just outside of bridlington between halfway half, between bridlington and beverly okay bridlington and beverly and not far from Hull, i guess no about 40 minutes from 40 Hull. minutes from Hull. so yeah. yeah so it's great it is it's quite a great location. we're on the coast people will come here yeah. because they're on the way to or from yes. the beach or the coast. Um, we're about an hour and a half, not an hour and a half, a mile and a half from the beach yep. at the moment. <laughs> yes. That is decreasing it's all the decreasing. time around We here. will have a sort of sea yes. view one day. <laughs> yes, you will. Um, but other than that, if we go inland, there's there's quite a lot of really nice little villages. Yeah. And, um, yes, yeah, so your husband's overseas and... And just and just you with um with your trusted advisors like your business coach, but how, how have you kept going on a daily basis? I have animals. Ah, you do have animals. <laughs> yes. I have animals because actually I don't tend to leave the site very often. When I go off site, I do tend to feel slightly reinvigorated, so I knew I need to go somewhere more often, but. Yeah, we've got two horses and 20 sheep and four goats, two cats and four dogs now. And it's the dogs that are in the house and I have chats with them. Okay. It's fine. Yeah. And I guess they keep you going because you've got to look after them every day. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Every day you can't, you know, you've got the animals to look after all the time. I've started riding again after having a 27 year gap wow. and I bought a horse that's probably slightly out horse just more than I can really cope with so when I've got difficult periods I tend to throw myself into the riding side because that's challenging me just yeah. as much as anything else and it takes my focus away from other things that aren't quite working 
Yeah. And how do you, is that how you um, chill out or unwind? And- After a hard day to unwind, I'll sit down with a glass of wine and I'll put the television on and I'll sit and have a hug with the dogs, which is great. What I want to do is a lot more arts and crafts yes. because that's the other thing that takes me away from what I'm doing. And at this precise moment is when I'm starting to We've got the granary set up, we've got it started, we're open, but now I need to work out how to drag people in during the quiet period. So now is the time when I'm I'm looking at the different activities that I can put on, but that's where my heart is as well. So this is, I'm starting to do the little bits that I want to do now. Very much on the verge, but because I'd like to set up a a small ceramics studio Mm. and offer activities, you know, hand building, whatever else. And I think that's when I'll get to be me more. In fact, I'm really looking forward to being a complete dippy, airy-headed, flowy clothes, art and crafty person. Yeah. I think it'd be fab. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. (laughs) Not sure. I'll come. I'll come too. Um, uh, This is such an exciting adventure and uh, creating a new destination for East East Yorkshire. Destination. Karen. It's fantastic to have you talking with us today. I always ask my guests this, so I'll, I'll do the same with you. What piece of advice would you give to somebody who suddenly got a great idea for setting up a business? Obviously, think about it for a while. If you're doing it properly, first of all, get a business coach because they will put you in all, oh, put you in the right direction and everything. Once you're convinced that what you want to do is viable, um, it will pay. Uh, and give you what you want then the piece of advice I would give after I've done all the sensible things mm. is don't give in because there's been very many occasions that I could have walked away from this and I must admit it was through having Roz as a coach and the books that I've read and everything else because people who succeed are the ones that don't give in yeah. I think is the one yeah. piece of advice brilliant Thank you so much, and uh, good luck for the next with stage two. Yes, absolutely. Thanks. In our conversation, Karen mentioned that it wasn't until she actually began to focus on just one thing that her dreams finally began to become real. So, if there's so much to do and our minds are so busy with all these wonderful things we want to do, how can we focus on just one thing? I do a lot of work on this with myself and with my business owner clients. But one thing I think that's really helpful is just to become aware, consciously aware of actually what we're doing throughout the day. And it helps by planning ahead. If we plan the next day, the night before, then we're ready to get stuck straight in when we start work the next day. So having a plan already planned will help us be focused on what we actually have to do if we stick to the plan, of course. But It's also interesting to be really aware of what it is that we're doing. Are we doing important things or are we doing urgent things or are we doing things that aren't urgent or important? So I got this idea from Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. In the book, he talks about the relationship between urgency and importance in the way that we spend our time. He makes a little matrix out of it, but I like to think of it as a as a target to help us focus on the area that we're in. On the outside of your target, we talk about the importance of uh, when things aren't important and they're not urgent. So these are things like mindlessly scrolling through Facebook, perhaps. 
we are consciously procrastinating. We are distracting ourselves from actually getting on with something that's important or urgent. Then we have where something is not important and it's urgent. So it's not important, but it's urgent. This is where we can delude ourselves. This is the danger zone, if you like. This is where people tell us something's urgent, so we drop everything that's important to do the urgent stuff. And before we know it, we've become busy urgency addicts. And we get to the end of the week and we think, oh, all that urgent stuff is done. Thank goodness for that. And we feel quite pleased with ourselves. But actually, we haven't done anything that's important. We haven't moved our business forward. So this takes quite a bit of discipline and self-awareness to ensure that we're not spending our time in that area of working on things that somebody tells us is urgent, but actually it's not important. And next we come to the bit where it's important and it's urgent. So important and urgent. This is when we could be in demand. This is when we could have things that have become urgent because we left it to the last minute or where it's legitimately urgent. We've got a customer urgent thing or an urgent issue with one of our team. So this is where we are in demand. And then finally, in the zone is where it's not urgent, but it is important. This is where we're really focusing on working on our business, on moving our business forward. It's not urgent, it's important. So there's the thing. There's So we need to have the, the discipline, if you like, to stay out of the distraction zone where it's not urgent and it's not important. We need to have the awareness, self-awareness to keep out of the bits where it's urgent and not important. And we need to be spending more time in demand or in the zone. So have a focused day, folks, and I hope that's been useful. Thanks for listening. This has been your Ross Jones Bold Business Bites show. If you'd like any further information about anything we've discussed today, please just get in touch. Go to businesscoachingyorkshire.co.uk. Please join me again next week when I'll be speaking with another phenomenal female business boss with Bold Business Bites. And remember to subscribe to my show. Thanks for listening.